Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are still in our series in Deuteronomy. This one's called Something About Generosity. And before we get started, the question I have for you all is, what was the first job where you earned a paycheck? Continuing in our series in Deuteronomy, the series has been all about maturity, um, and today we're going to talk about generosity and what that looks like. And I say this all the time. Usually, when I get a passage um, and I preach on something in New Abbey, I'm like, "Whoa! This I've never heard a sermon on this passage. Um, this is wild." But this week, uh, I've heard about 10 million sermons on this passage. And so we're going to try to reclaim it in a different way and talk about what generosity looks like in a community like ours. Uh, So we're in Deuteronomy chapter 26. It goes like this. When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for God's name and say to the priest in the office at that time, like they had offices? Uh, I declare today, so ahead of their time, the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it uh, and shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. And he went down to Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. God brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil to you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before God. Then, (laughs) dramatic pause, then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things your Lord, the Lord your God has given you and your households. Right. So, some context on ways I have heard this passage used. Uh Uh-oh, someone's getting directions out of here immediately. (laughs) They're like, I don't mess with first fruits. It's all right, I get it, I get it. Um, So, this passage I've heard preached a a lot of different ways, but it's usually about giving money um, to the church, the first fruits, First 10% of your paycheck, however you want to slice it. And it was usually one of two ways to convince people in the room that they needed to do that. The first was like fear. If you don't give money, you won't have salvation. And if you don't have salvation, you know what happens when you die. Um, And spoiler alert, it's not true. And then the other way that I feel like was 
was usually proposition in, in church is if you do give money, then you will get more money. Like good things will happen to you and this is just how it works. And I'm sorry to say that's also not true. So um, just a heads up, if you want to participate in giving financially in New Abbey, it won't save your soul or bring you any kind of great financial opportunities, but it would be cool. So um, <laughs> that's the truth on that. So in this um, passage, we have another example. Every single time I have preached in this series in Deuteronomy, somewhere in the passage I am preaching on, it talks about remembering their time in Egypt. It's like, remember when you were slaves, remember this in Egypt, remember Egypt. You're like, geez, these people, right? Um, <laughs> and so this morning when we talk about generosity, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about remembering and discipline. I think those are the two things that get us to a place of being able to live in a generous way. This plea was to these people who had been in oppression. They knew what it was like to have nothing. And then once they got into the promised land, it's like now that you have money, now you have resources, now you have land, now you have health, now you have wholeness, now you have all these things, what are you going to do with it? That's the question. Are you going to take the first like after the winter, after the first bloom, are you going to take some of that and be generous with it, or are you not? This is a commandment saying if you remember what God has done for you, then that generosity will be an act out of that thankfulness, right? Which is like, I think, a life a lot of us probably strive to live. Um, my first job at Krispy Kreme. Um, <laughs> no big deal, no big deal. And... Um, I remember thinking, like, as soon as I get a job, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to be so generous. I'm going to buy kids at school lunch. I'm going to, like, buy stuff for my parents. I'm going to buy stuff for my siblings. I'm just going to, like, be just a generosity machine, you know? And I just spent every single dime I made on myself, exclusively on myself, buying, like, baby fat velour sweatsuits because this was, yes, one baby fat fan. Um, it's just saying be mindful of that, right? Create some maturity around this thing. Remember what it was like, and maybe that will prompt you to value things in a different way. Because when you don't remember, you get into some awful traps. I think what's fascinating about our country right now is we have a government, we have people in charge who do not remember how we got here. They do not remember that we, loosely, America, right? There were people who came here to flee from something to a land that someone already had that now we inhabited. And now there are lots of people who want that same opportunity experience to come into this land. And we are literally putting human beings in cages because that's how disconnected we are from the reality that this land was made for freedom. And when you don't remember that and you're not cognizant of how you got here, you will do some messed up things and you will not live in a generous way. And I love at the end of this passage, it says, even the foreigners and the fatherless and the widow and the Levites residing among you will benefit from your generosity. But it needs to be the first thing you need. You need to create that discipline, right? One of my favorite and least favorite things about my wife is she, she gives money to every single Kickstarter anyone has ever had. <laughs> If, I, if I'm on social media and I see that like anyone we're connected to is like doing a coffee shop, a clothing line, a book, anything, I'm like, I guarantee you we have given to that, you know? 
And then she'll come home and be like, did you hear about Ali's coffee shop? I gave, we, babe, we, we supported, we had to, right? Like everything. She's like, we had to, you know? And I'm always like, yeah, I want to, I love this about you. But at the same time, I'm like, we gave what to Ali? What do we get, you know? Because I'm just the worst. And, um, and any time I'm like, you know, which is a lot of times where I'm like, did we have to give that much? Or like, do we have to give to every single, like, our bank statement is like, GoFundMe, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe, like, I'm like, <clears throat> and she's always, like, without hesitation, she's like, do you, but do you remember what it was like when, like, we dreamed of having this life we have? Do you remember, like, when I dreamed of doing all these things, but I didn't have the camera equipment? Do you remember when, or, like, and, it, and then she's like, and at some point, maybe we're going to want to do something, and we're going to have to reach out to our community, and, like, this is just, like, how it works, you know? And she's, like, so tied to, to remembering what it's like to be the person in that vulnerable position asking for those things. And that, like, remembrance for her leads her to always generosity first, right? Which is a beautiful thing. Because my memory of that is like gone. I'm like, what? No, I never needed anything from anyone. I'm keeping everything I have. So then, my favorite thing in this passage, which is just like, it's hard for me, um, and maybe a lot of us in this room, is it talks about just doing it, like creating some kind of routine, this rhythm, this first fruits, the minute you see it, take it, put it in a basket, do something, create that discipline of generosity. Because if it's not the first thing you do, if you don't have that discipline, if you don't have those things, you're not going to do it, right? If you don't have a plan, then intentions are simply intentions, which is like a bummer word for someone like me because I'm full of good intentions. I lack a ton of good discipline, right? And I think the generosity suffers when that's true, right? Um, we always, you know, I, I moved to Malibu, my first job out of grad school. I was like, yeah, wow, only up from here. Um, <laughs> turns out, no. I, uh, if you want advice on this, I've only ever made less money at every job I've taken since grad school. So I know it's like, um, I'll probably write a book on it. And, um, you can buy it. Yeah, this was the highest paying job I ever had was the first one. And I thought, I'm only going to make more money than this? No, I didn't. <laughs> but um, it's OK, curving back up. So um, I remember being there and like walking the campus and being like, oh my gosh, it's right on the ocean. This is like so beautiful. And I remember talking to God, because this is the way in which I talked to God at the time. I was like, if you give me this job, so no, you're in charge of this. HR department, if you give me this job, I'll never take this for granted. I'm going to, every day, I'm going to just like ooze gratitude. That's just what I'm going to be. That's who I am, right? So I get the job, and it's like, picture, like my, my bedroom window overlooked like a grassy hill that overlooked the ocean, you know? I had like lived by myself with my 80-pound boxer named Doug, and like we would just walk around the campus. It was like perfect. Um, and then two weeks in, and I'm like, this job sucks, and the beach isn't even that good, and my hair is frizzy every day, and like this, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and then, of course, by the end of my time there, when I only had one week left, I was like, oh, I'm really going to miss this. I took it for granted. I didn't, I didn't love this place enough. I didn't have enough gratitude, right? Like, I'm going to miss the beach. What have, I did? what have I been doing for two years? You know what I mean? Um, which is just intentions are intentions. I had every intention of being a person who had extreme gratitude for the opportunity that I had. And that intention went into zero discipline in my life. 
I didn't make a plan. I didn't say, I'm going to see the sunset every day. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to write down in a gratitude journal. I did nothing. And out of that, no gratitude came out. So we can have all the plans for generosity in the world. We can have all the intentions for generosity in the world. With no discipline and no plan, nothing's going to come out, right? And that's just a bummer word to hear on a Sunday morning, but it's so true. There's... I want to talk about generosity in more ways than just finances because it is so much more than just giving money, right? There's the reality of the way I treat and take care of my body and the discipline that I have to eat the things that don't make me want to take a nap in the middle of the day and drink water is an act of intention to try to have enough emotional capacity for my wife to try to have the kind of energy to be the person that shows up well as a pastor, to have the kind of things that I need to function well, I've got to create some disciplines or else they're just intention. Like, I want to be a person who's present when I'm at home, which is my wife. I want to be a person who's present if we're having a coffee. I want to have enough energy to do the things that I need to do throughout the day and still have something and be like, you know what I mean? And that's going to take discipline in the way that I treat my body and what I put it in and how I move it and what I do, right? And the same is true for our money, our time, our healing, our health, right? I know there are so many times where I'm like, I'm finally in a good season, and I'm just going to like, this is me, you know what I mean? And I'm thriving. And if we don't remember what it was like to not be in the season, the people that we needed there, we're going to be different, have a different kind of generosity with our time. Does that make sense? And what I want to talk about this morning is how we create those disciplines and how we get to the layers where we can see beyond those things to turn our intentions for generosity into an actual life of generosity. And that's going to go beyond the surface level, right? Like, I love Aaron's story of just like, I was just having this intellectual battle. It was just this intellectual battle, right? And it was like, no, it was actually this very emotional thing that was connected to that. I think about that. It's the same with money. Like, have you ever just looked at a spreadsheet and cried? <laughs> and you're like, these are just numbers. It's not even a word. These are just like, they're not even letters. I'm crying over like zeros and fours and decimal points. Because it's not just the money I'm looking at. It's tied to like my scarcity mentality. It's tied to all the ways in which I, I have fear of lack. It's tied into all the ways I saw my parents interact around money. It's tied to all the stress that I've seen money cause people in my life. And if we're not willing to not only address that, but create some disciplines around how do we now get a hold of some of these things, we're not going to be able to be generous in the way that we want to be generous. In every area of our life, this is true. There's this, I was telling Corey in between these two, I was like, I don't really want to talk about money <laughs> ever in general, at home or here. Um, I was saying earlier, when Sammy and I talk about money, we, we call it a financial party um, because there's no judgment at a party. And so if we're at a party, then we feel like we can say what we're thinking and how much money we've, we've spent. Um, we are the best Enneagram 7 and 9 you've ever met. Um, but there's like there's a tension of being a pastor in a community like this that's like I know what it's like to have been taken advantage of by giving money to something that I don't even think I believed in right and we want to stay so far away from that um, like I said in the beginning we're not we don't want to tie like 
shame or guilt or even like prosperity to any options, right? We want to say very clearly, and what I'm saying this morning is true about New Abbey and every area of your life. If you value something, if you found God through something, if someone helped you with something, if someone helped you fulfill your dream, all those things, and you value it, then give to it. And whatever that means for you and whatever that looks like. There's, there's so much, like, I just want to acknowledge the levels of weirdness that are tied to that with a church, right? Like, I've donated to, like, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren. Like, I'm just like, anyone, go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> I do not have a dog in this fight except just someone else winning. So I'm like, go for it. <laughs> Any candidate. Oprah. Um, <laughs> but then you're like, I don't give money to this church. What are you going to do with it? You know? Or this person on the street, or this organization, or this nonprofit, or this Kickstarter, whatever it is, right? But especially with the church. Like, let's just acknowledge that that's weird, right? And it has levels of undoing. And I think what's, what's helpful to talk about this morning is, one, yes, if you value this place, we want you to give and to value it in that way. If you need something from this place, we want you to ask and we want you to get it, right? We want to be that kind of community. But I think the levels of nuance that this conversation has with giving money to a church are the same levels of nuance that all the uh, conversations about generosity we have inside of us. The way we see our time, the way we see our resources, the way we see our emotional energy, it's all that layered. That's the point of, of creating some discipline around these things is if we don't, our intentions aren't going to come through. And that's okay and that's real, but that happens because we're so layered and nuanced. Just when I said like, oh, let's, you know, give money to your church, and some people are like, ooh. It's the same when there's someone who calls you and you're like, ooh, I don't want to spend that time. Right? There's like, there's always that much nuance. So I want to think about generosity and maturity in the way that as a community, can we commit to knowing that if we don't set discipline behind our intentions, there will be foreigners and Levites and fatherless people and widows in our community who will suffer because of it. If you have made it from some kind of oppression, from some kind of I didn't have to now I do with whatever resources you have, and you're not willing to make that discipline to do that, then other people will suffer, and that's always the point. I say in here all the time, whenever I preach, sometimes I feel like I just get like, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. And the reason I care about that so much is because if you can't, then you can't love someone else well. And there are other people who need us to take care of our own stuff so that we can help them take care of theirs. So whatever area you have found something in, you have made it to any kind of promised land, now we need you to have that discipline to create that, those intentions and that generosity because other people need it. We are all interconnected. And that goes far beyond just like therapy and emotional health, right? That gets really practical in the book of Deuteronomy about what we do with actual resources, with actual fruit, with actual things. And that conversation is more uncomfortable, but it's still the one we need to have, right? And it's really hard in a mostly millennial audience and probably a lot of people like me, like I just hate discipline. Right? Like, just, I just hate it, right? I don't know why. I was just like, I don't want to like, feel like I have to do anything because for so long I felt like I was put in a box of having to do something and blah, 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 right? But without it, like, you're just, we're just worse people. You know what I mean? And that's just true. And I was joking in the, the first one, I think it's like, I say this all the time, weight is not a good 
measure of health. Like skinny doesn't mean healthy, not skinny doesn't mean unhealthy, whatever. And we have a, a, a serious society who's like obsessed with, with weight loss. Um, but what's funny about that are there's some practical things you can like do in your life if that's your goal, like diet, exercise, long-term things, which we just pretend like don't exist. And every time I turn around, it's like, no, no, no. Diet and exercise, you don't need to do that. We're going to wrap you in saran wrap. We're going to put Himalayan sea salt, and then we're going to freeze it off. And that's just like, in 30 minutes, and you will have the, everything you've ever wanted, right? Don't spend six months, like, drinking water. You know what I mean? We'll just freeze anything you want right off, right? Or just, like, lay in this thing, and we'll shake you until you get so sweaty that all this, like, you're like, what? <laughs> But we take that same mentality into a lot of areas of our life, right? I was joking with, you know, when Dave Ramsey, I don't know if you're Dave Ramsey, he's like a money guy, but he says like, <laughs> someone once quoted him to me and was like, we're living like, <laughs> live like no one today so you can live like no one tomorrow or something like that. And I was like, what? I was like, I want to live exactly how I want to live now forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want it all and I want it all right now. Right? I want to save money without saying no to anything. Right? I want to have time for everyone and show up as my best self whenever anyone asks. Is that so much to ask? You know? But the reality is we've got to create some discipline around our attentions, and that's hard. Um, but it's very necessary. If you want to be generous with whatever it is, be disciplined. Take the first little fruits, the first things that happen, the, the moment you get that, and do something with it or we won't, right? And we just want to be a community that shares that generosity. So you're going to get back in your groups and you're going to answer this question, where in your life do you want to be more generous? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.